You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Seth Workman. Based in Wisconsin, Seth works in hospitality and loves painting, listening to audiobooks, and cooking. You may have seen him on social media as he documents his journey making the recipes from the American Girl cookbooks. Seth grew up in Indiana, where he loved arts and crafts and dreamed of being an artist. And aside from seeing the Kit movie as a child, venturing into the world of AG was a more recent discovery. We are so thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Seth, welcome to AGW. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. We're so excited to have you, Seth. This has been kind of, a, I feel like, a long time in the making. We've been interacting on Instagram for quite a while, and it's always fun when we finally get to have someone that we've had like a, a developing friendship in the AG <laughs> community with on the podcast. It's so great to get to chat with you. Yeah, so that of here. Thanks for having me. I have been following your account for a long time now. So it's been pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> the feeling truly is so mutual. Your cooking series, which we'll definitely get into on this episode of cooking through all of the historic AG cookbooks, has been gracing my For You page for so long. So thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to discuss some of what I've been doing on TikTok for the last year. Totally. Well, before we get into all of that, Seth, can you tell us a bit about what you were like growing up? So I was definitely more of a quiet kid. I was always with the girls, though. My whole street was all girls and then me. So as a kid, I definitely was like the teacher's pet, but I was pretty, I mean, I was well behaved and I would usually go home and I didn't have any American girl dolls growing up, but I did have quite a few Barbies, um, notably. (laughs) <laughs> I had the Wizard of Oz set of, I believe, Barbie's little sister is named Chelsea. It was like Chelsea has like all the different Wizard of Oz characters. So I did have a few dolls growing up. Those were not Cute. historically based. Oh my gosh. But Barbie, I feel like I saw a very interesting like Venn diagram on Instagram the other day that was like Barbie, Bratz, and American Girl. And I feel like they they can inform each other for sure. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it's definitely significant that you, you know, had your, your Barbie experience as a kid. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad I had parents that like allowed me to explore that side. Um, My parents were never big on like gender roles as a kid. So they were pretty cool about me having Barbies. I had that collection and I also had quite a few more as well. And I'm pretty glad that there were like nice and supportive about it as a kid it definitely made interacting with everyone else that lived on my street a lot easier as well too yeah. since I had my own collection and they had theirs <laughs> oh my gosh I love that did any of the girls have American Girl okay I can't remember any American Girl prior to the release of Kit's movie and that was like 2008 mm. 2009 probably I have no recollection of that franchise until I for some reason I saw Kit's movie Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or if I saw it on someone's TV, but I remember watching it and a lot of my cousins and then also people on the street got Kit after the release of the movie. Ooh. And I think that was like my first like 
cognizant thought of American girls. And Kit was all I knew for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. I think that the Kit movie really, like, more than any of the other movies, had, like, it had, like, a theatrical release, which I don't think mm-hmm. any of the other ones did. So I feel like it's totally natural that that would have been like a big entry point for you uh in terms of like your american girl consciousness (laughs) yeah the movie had abigail breslin and she was like fresh off nims island like Mm -hmm. that was a big name back then i know like the the meryl streep of the younger set (laughs) (laughs) yeah they really chose such great actresses and actors to be a part of the american girl films but i think that was the only one in theaters right like the samantha movie i know was on tv which also is a pretty big launch not theater level but having Mm -hmm. it debut on television Mm -hmm. seems pretty big compared to like a direct to vhs or dvd totally And I still have never seen Phyllis's movie. Um, Yeah, she's my favorite, but I don't even know where to like watch it. (laughs) You can watch it on YouTube. YouTube. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm doing tonight. Yeah, honestly, it's really good. We're going to be doing a rewatch of the movie um, in a couple weeks for an episode with one of our former guests, which we're very excited (laughs) about. But it's a good one. And it has Shailene Woodley as Felicity. And Marsha Gay Harden as her mother. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I know it was actually filmed in Canada though, which was it? It was a little like a little betrayal to me, honestly. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if uh, some of the other ones were as well. I'd be interested to find out. I feel like Vancouver has a chokehold on the film industry. Seth, <laughs> <laughs> after you saw the Kit movie, did you get immersed in the world of Kit? Like, were you reading her book series or like partaking in Kit culture in any other way? No, actually, I think like my consciousness like stopped, like it began and started with the Kit movie. Mm-hmm. I knew there was a doll. I did not know there were American Girl doll books. Um, mm-hmm. I never like put thought into the, the whole franchise, I think. And I don't really know why, but I guess no one in my life around me had an American girl besides Kit. So I never really like delved into it. Well, let's chat about why that all changed. What was the switch that sort of flipped for you that made you want to start getting into American Girl? Yeah. So during quarantine in summer 2020, I was at home like everyone else. And I was looking for a podcast on Spotify. And I fell into like the historical area of like the podcast browsing section on Spotify, I guess. And I found Dolls of Our Lives. And I think that was the first time I realized that American Girl was an entire franchise. And that all the all the characters were historically based and i was always in the history as a kid so the fact that the whole american girl franchise escaped me feels like a missed opportunity in my childhood i believe (laughs) i was always into like the american revolution yeah that was like my favorite time period so i know as i I would have ate up felicity like i would have loved every second of that (laughs) and my parents were really big into historical vacations and like educational trips so i took quite a few trips as a kid to colonial williamsburg and like if, if only I had known about Felicity, like those trips would have been so oh different. My God. For everyone involved. <laughs> oh, oh, truly. Like, you were so close. You were like within inches of probably like Felicity merch and Felicity experiences. <laughs> Literally, if I had just like maybe if I spent more time in like the historical fiction area of my elementary school library, 
maybe I would have found Felicity at an early age. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I did not find her until the ripe age of 20. Um, <laughs> Fair. Well, Mary and Allison doing the Lord's work. I'm glad they opened your eyes and yes. heart and kitchen <laughs> eventually to AG. <laughs> yeah. And I started listening to the podcast without even having read Felicity's books. I just kind of fell into it. Um, yeah. I have my prior background with like my love for the revolutionary era. So everything they talked about, I was like, okay, like this makes sense. This clicks to me. I listened to the whole season of Felicity before I actually read the books. It's so fun to listen to their episodes that recap the books because I haven't read every single American Girl book, but Mm -hmm. even for the ones that I have read that they recap, it's like, oh my God, yeah, like I totally forgot about X, Y, or Z. And like, I love their commentary on it as well. So like, I almost don't even feel like a need to like go back and reread any of them because (laughs) they, they've given like such a good um, assessment of all of them. So I love that that was like your kind of re-entry from like Mm -hmm. your kit movie days into American Girl and um yeah I mean from there what was your next step? So I had a lot of time on my hands during the summer (laughs) and I think I was just looking at like the American Girl Wikipedia looking through Felicity's stuff um I got the books from the library that summer and then at some point like down the rabbit hole I found out that the original six plus like company characters had cookbooks. That probably wasn't for another year or so though. Cause going that summer I would have, yeah, I was going to junior year of college. I was kind of into Felicity that year. I thought she was really cute and quirky. She's like a little spunky, like a colonial girl. Like what's not to love? Yes. Me? And then. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I think then the next summer is probably when I found out about the cookbooks and then I was on a mission to go find them because they've been out of print since the 90s. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, am a 2000s baby. So they've been out of print my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so some of them were really hard to track down. But I got most of them online from Half Price Books, their online website. Um, I think I paid like $2.50 for each of them. Amazing. A steal. Yes. You, scam- you scammed them. I really feel like I did. <laughs> and then the only one that I couldn't get my hands on was Josefina's. Because she was in print for the least amount of time. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh my god. I think that's... I had a couple of them, and I think that's one of the ones I had. I'll, I'll have to check with my mom to see if she saved it, because I didn't see it the last time I went through my attic, but it could be mm-hmm. that she knows where it is better than I did. But I want to say I definitely had that one, because it was the first time I became aware of like tamales as a cuisine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think she had some of the better recipes that I've gone through so far. Um, I ended up getting her cookbook from the library. The state of Indiana has like an interlibrary loan system. And there were only two copies of her cookbook in the entire state. Um, I got my hands on one of them. (laughs) I just took pictures of every single page. (laughs) <laughs> That's oh incredible. yeah scammed them again <laughs> yeah, no, I, keep, I keep coming out on top <laughs> oh my god Seth what have been some of your favorite recipes to make oh my god that's a good question I think that Josefina and Kirsten both had some pretty good recipes I love Felicity I love the colonial era but there's nothing in her cookbook that I made and wanted to make again Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love is pretty bland, pretty flavorless. It's just it was not unenjoyable overall. But 
Host Athena had, um, I heard tamales were really good. Yes. They were definitely like a labor intensive. And I truly understand why like they're safe for special holidays. Right. And then Kirsten had some pretty recipes as well. I liked her breakfast the most, I think. But that probably sounds like it's a pretty basic like breakfast. Like it's sausage, eggs, and like grits, I think. So yeah. nothing too like unfamiliar there. Fair. Right. Who wouldn't love those things? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Have you brought any of these recipes into your regular rotation? I will not lie. Sometimes when I don't want to go to the store and buy tortillas, I have made Josefina's tortillas a few times. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's probably that's probably yeah. about it. A lot of them are pretty labor intensive and really just I don't have the time <laughs> to go through all that because when I film those videos, it takes about a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like Addie, I've never made any recipes from her cookbook, mm-hmm. but I do have that one. And those ones look like some I would maybe like to try because yes. they seem like very like hearty, like good, like mm-hmm. flavorful, delicious, like pretty much the opposite of Felicity's <laughs> recipe. <Yeah. laughs> And we posted some of them on our Instagram a while back. And I feel like it's maybe the one that I'll start with if I venture yeah. into making any of hers. But Molly's, I think, because we also post some <laughs> of hers, are like the ones that like need to like touch grass the most <laughs> out of <laughs> all of them. Like there's just like they're so patriotic coded. Like yeah. it's and like also like you know it's just like the jello era but it's really like fun (laughs) to see what people were working with back then (laughs) i i have cooked through addy's cookbook the videos need to be edited they've been sitting in my camera roll for far too many months now but her recipes were really good she had a sweet potato pie basically as more like a casserole because it had no crust Mm -hmm. and i would definitely make that again like it would be like a thanksgiving rotation treat interesting i think that's the one that like in the in her like collection they have like a little sweet potato yes high like cast iron skillet or something like that that's so cute so i'm glad that they tied it back to the book (laughs) a lot of the recipes in the books go back to the actual books um felicity has apple butter in her cookbook josefina has goat cheese in hers Mm. um and then i know as we addy as we just mentioned has the sweet potato pomade um but i believe molly does not have any turnip recipes in her cookbook which has (laughs) caused a little of uproar she has one recipe that like includes it as an ingredient but it's not but it's like not like the focal point of the recipe I think it's like part of a soup or something like that but I remember when I was going through her cookbook I was like I'm gonna see if they put turnips in any of these (laughs) recipes to like make it super copacetic with the plot of her book but they did not make a big deal out of it and I thought maybe they could like do like a little call out being like turnips Molly hates these but they didn't at all it's so cute yeah right I really appreciate that the recipes are like mentioned throughout the books of what the, the characters were actually eating mm-hmm. and then having the chance to make it. I love the style of the books too, in general, with like the history woven in. Like, I yes. was reading through Felicity's recently and it was like, how to host a tea party. And <laughs> like, it's like a book within itself, right? Like, yeah. there's so much like info in it. 
I think the cookbooks do a really great job of storytelling through the eyes of these characters. So at the end of each of the cookbooks, it has a section on how to throw a party that relate back to that character. Felicity's with a tea party. As we know, she does tea parties or tea lessons with Miss Manderley and Elizabeth. Um, and then Addie's is an emancipation party to celebrate uh, Juneteenth. But Kirsten, at the end of her, at the end of hers, it says that she would not have time to have parties. She'd be too busy no. surviving. Um, what? Which I felt was really too far, especially after the loss of Marta. Wait a um, second. And that her party would be like a barn raising if she were to have a party. Oh my god! I would think it would yeah. be like a midsummer, midsummer no. party or something. Like they were just no. too real with that. Yeah, um. basically, Kirsten, Kirsten has a frontier to run. Wow. <laughs> they're like, she wouldn't be sharing food with friends and neighbors because there wouldn't be any neighbors or friends to share <laughs> it with. Oh my God. Were any of the ingredients particularly hard to source? Or was everything yes. pretty accessible? I think every cookbook has one ingredient that has been a struggle to find. For Felicity, it was veal, ground veal. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I ended up just like combining pork and beef because that's what the internet told me to do. Um, <laughs> but I searched high and low. For Josefina, for her cheese recipe, it was, I had to find like unpasteurized milk. Mm. Oh. Yeah. So I ended up going to like a, like a farm goods store. The milk I bought said it was not fit for human consumption. It was meant to like feed to animals. <laughs> oh my God. Did you, did you have it afterwards? Did you eat it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I ate the cheese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to tell the tale. <laughs> and then for Addie, oh, this was this is so strange, but it was actually catfish. I could not find catfish. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, but I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. So, like, I don't really know where to look for fish if I wanted to find it. Mm, <laughs> um, but I think I bought cod instead and called it a day. Yeah. I feel like that, that like does the trick. I mean, those are like some ingredients that I don't think I've ever seen at my grocery store. Yeah. So yeah, you got to do the extra legwork on, on those. And I don't even know like where people are getting these things. Cause like, obviously these are like period specific. So that's like mm-hmm. why they're hard to come by. But like, I feel like I always like, anytime I'm like following a recipe on TikTok or something, I'm like, do these people like have a different grocery store than me? Like where, <laughs> where are they like, getting these things like let alone now we're taking it back to like the 1770s and we need groceries from that era (laughs) yeah um but i lived in virginia for a year living next to colonial Williamsburg, and one day i was out like at a historical home at a different place in virginia in norfolk which is about an hour from Williamsburg on the coast and i they had a cookbook on site in that historical home that i was asking about and i mentioned the series i was doing on tiktok and i was like hey like this cookbook that is supposed to be pretty historically accurate as reveal would someone living in the 1770s virginia would they be able to find veal like is it something that was commonly eaten and the answer they gave me was yeah like that is that was really common back then because if you're on the coast near norfolk which felicity was not so i have some questions here mm-hmm. but they didn't have enough like grassy soil like there's not enough like grass for the cows to eat so they would have babies and then kill them pretty young so mm. it's interesting that American Girl did their research here. Um, yeah. I mean, veal was commonly eaten apparently in Colonial Virginia, um, oh, no, within wow. an hour of Felicity's home. So I guess they, wow. they did some research there and called it a day. Yeah. It kind of makes me feel better. I love veal. It makes me feel better that like 
they were sort of like making the most of a bad situation <laughs> and <laughs> and you know they were just like i mean we're doing this because like we just don't have the right like environment for these baby cows to survive <laughs> so they're making the most of it but that's really interesting i feel like the research that must have gone into the cookbooks is like extensive if they were even like tuned into that level of detail yeah and each cookbook opened with a page like a a full page of like a list of names of people who tested the recipes and i have some questions there because I, there's no way that everyone that tested the recipes were actually nine years old because I was struggling <laughs> like in my 20s to make these recipes and I just can't fathom that a nine-year-old made a lot of those. No um, way. And they said it was successful enough to go into the cookbook. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of research that went into them. I think the most interesting cookbook so far was Kirsten's because mm -hmm. um, it tied in a lot of traditional Scandinavian foods with mm -hmm. also what the settlers were found in the Great Plains. Mm-hmm. And I was a little surprised to see the amount of spices used in some of her recipes. But then, like, I looked in traditional Scandinavian cooking, and they had those spices. Oh. How, the, how some of those spices got from the Middle East to Scandinavia. Like, I did my research. It's unknown. Like, people don't actually know, like, how those, like, how they ended up there in the first place. Um, but it's interesting that American Girl, like, really kind of dug into Kirsten's story in particular. Like, seeing what she would have eaten in the old world versus the new world. But also with Addie, they did a her cookbook so each cookbook has like a breakfast dinner and favorite foods section and her breakfast section focused more on foods she would have eaten while she was enslaved but then the dinner was more of the foods she would have found in philadelphia mm. so kind of like with the progression of her books from finding freedom kind of following that storyline and that narrative which i thought was pretty cool as well yeah that level of like detail is just incredible Seth, besides obviously your series with the American Girl cookbooks, what other ways have you been engaging with American Girl since you sort of ha entered your American Girl Renaissance period? <laughs> yeah, so I think at the time that I found American Girl, there was also the American Girl Renaissance kicking off. <laughs> um, we got footage <laughs> on Instagram. We got Helicity Merriman. Yes. Um, and it was also the same time that Harry Hill was dressing up as Samantha for Halloween. Yeah. So I think definitely just around like the Instagram community in general, American Girl was becoming like becoming cool again. And people were, you know, they were at home during quarantine. They were finding like their old dolls in their parents' bedrooms and whatnot. And I think it was just, like perfect timing, honestly, that I found that podcast at the same time that people online were like kind of rediscovering their childhood toys. Yeah, definitely. So you acquired a few dolls. Yes. Tell us a little bit about who you have and how you added them into your collection. Yeah, so I have Felicity, Kirsten, and then I have a hit doll that has been customized. So Felicity and Kirsten were both purchased by my mom on Facebook Marketplace. She oh. just like spent weeks like searching for them, and she had like a like a budget. She's wow. like, I can't go above like she's like she's like I'm not gonna spend more than like this amount on like an American Girl doll for my 20 year old son. <laughs> so eventually, she found them, um, and then she got like a at least one outfit for each of them. So for Felicity, I have her meat dress, like the rose garden dress. Mm -hmm. It is missing a few accessories, but you know that will do. Um, it, it has been well loved by a previous owner. So I have I have her meat dress, and I also have her Christmas outfit. Oh, which I yes. love. I love that one. <laughs> Stunning. 
And then for Kirsten, I have her and her meat outfit. And then I also have, I don't know the exact title of this outfit, but it's the one, it it's, hasn't been sold since the 90s, but it's like her immigration outfit, basically. It's like her Swedish dirndl. Oh, yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So I have that one as well. I'm very proud to own that one. Yeah, that's so cute. Was that the one that sold in like her bedroom set in on the, uh, in the catalog? I think it's one of the ones that came out like sort of as like a bonus release where they had like Samantha's bathing costume, mm. Addie, like I think Addie's stilting outfit was part of that. I want to say that's where that one originated from, but I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah, certain. Like and and then Felicity's outfit that was like part of that limited like release is the one that like Seth has in his Instagram profile picture. Oh my gosh, yes, her counter <laughs> outfit. That is like, yeah, that is not I love it. If I could ever get my hands on the town fair outfit, I would. But it sells <laughs> for like three hundred dollars online. Yeah, like, those and I'm just so... I can't commit to that. Those were so hard to like come by I think because they were like there and then they were gone and every once in a while I feel like American Girl would like release like I have a random Josefina outfit that like I even in like having this podcast have not come across it until Mm -hmm. very recently and I forgot that it existed and it was like one of her little short story outfits so they love to like just drop a limited edition I know I wish they'd bring back like Felicity or Kirsten because I have some Holy Grail items I'd like for them I think Kirsten has the best outfits of all the dolls. That's my right? opinion. Uh, she looks so stunning fun. in everything. What are some of your favorite outfits of hers? I think my favorite Kirsten outfit is it's the green and white striped dress with the red boots. Yes. 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 The oh red boots. Oh my goodness. From her summer story. I know. The red boots yes. are so on point. Like, I don't know who thought of that, but it just pulls the outfit together. Like, I don't know where she got them. Like, did they come with her from Sweden? I have so many questions, but I think they're gorgeous. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, so, Lindsay, I think you're actually right. I think the Dirndl outfit was maybe either from one of the short stories or something else because her like limited edition outfit that was part of that release is like the adorable little white sweater scarf Mm. combo with like... The little hood. Yes. So I looked up the Dirndl outfit, though, and that is very cute. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. a catalog pulled up of Kirsten now, um, and the Dirndl is in her bed set. It's such a cute outfit. It's like red plaid, like a red plaid top with a red yeah. striped skirt and a white shirt to wear under it. It's adorable. I love Kirsten's outfits. And I think it's so fascinating that a lot of her clothes were pretty influenced by the 80s yeah um, i believe that her her winter wear her collection of it's like that knit sweater mm-hmm. like there's like yes. a oh my god I say, there's, like, there's like a ralph lauren sweater from like the same time period that looks almost identical to kirsten's <laughs> like winter wear which is which kills me oh my it god is so interesting to like see actually how the time period that american girl was launched in kind of informed the outfits because i i always feel like Samantha also like has like a very 80s 90s sort of vibe even though like the clothing from that time period also like kind of evokes like the early turn of the century fashions with like big sleeve moments and like very like feminine like 
big bows and hair accessories like mm-hmm. the ones that like Samantha had but I I can't help but think that like for all of these dolls like the era in which they came out in kind of informed the way that they're styled at least a little bit right yeah, like there was definitely like a resurgence of like, fancy dress in like the 80s and 90s we've talked about this on the podcast but like I was enamored by like the catalogs that would come to my house growing up, like storybook heirlooms that it was like pretty accepted that like you could wear these big dresses, like, I don't know, for holidays. Like, I don't think kids are wearing that style these days. Like it, it seems pretty dated, but like it kind of had this like moment in the eighties and nineties where it was like, I don't know, kind of pageant dresses like any (laughs) the bigger the better in terms of like sleeves and skirts and like tons of lace and ruffles and it was really in line with the clothing that American Girl offered too but yeah I don't think kids are wearing that these days well Kirsten's clothes like sort of remind me of like the like and this is definitely coming back now because these dresses cost like hundreds and hundreds of dollars now the like gunny sacks Mm-hmm. brand I feel like Ooh. evokes like that very like Kirsten like little house on the prairie like right. Laura Ashley vibe very Laura Ashley yeah oh, definitely going off like this whole the American Girl fashion and you know bringing cookbooks to home um there's also American Girl patterns that were available yeah. in the 90s as well and those were all online so I, I printed out a few of them oh, I just don't know how to sew that's yeah, the thing we're gonna say do you sew too <laughs> no one day I'll know how to sew and I'll, I'll finally make Felicity's town fair outfit Truly. <laughs> until then I'm stuck looking at the pattern <laughs> oh my gosh that's I'm gonna have to make some of my sewing savvy friends aware of this because this could be like a fun entry point into sewing for me if I could get some of these patterns and see if they could help me like figure out how to start them <laughs> Right? That's so interesting. And then going back to your Kirsten real quick, Seth, what state is her hair in? Oh my gosh. Her hair is good. My mom rebraided it. Oh. Um, but I don't know how to get the braids to like stay in place. It's mm. like, it's, I kind of like, I took them in. Um, but yeah. then, you know, into my toucher, they they fall back down. Mm. It's Fair. She's fickle that yes. way, Kirsten. <laughs> yeah, her braids are in better tact than Felicity's pink curls. Mm. which like she has like one on either side there's supposed to be like three like on each side so she's like little devil horns right now okay (laughs) that's that's fair i mean it's fair yeah she's she's spunky she has a few mischievous traits i'll let yeah i mean very in line with felicity (laughs) my my felicity from the 90s does not have any pin curls left so having two remaining is quite good (laughs) doing better than some of us it's true I don't know like how you would even like get them back I think you'd have to like pin them into like shape for like a couple days to see if they adhere yeah yeah the American girl customizers customizers on tumblr really like have it down to a science but involves like sitting down with the doll and like like a like a needle and just like picking out like the the little short Mm. hairs one by one Oh my gosh. People are really like, I have two recently 
resurrected American Girl dolls that definitely need some TLC. Obviously, not going to send a Pleasant Company era doll to the doll hospital. But there are so many talented people like on Instagram and like Etsy who take care of these dolls and like I don't even know what they're doing but they're making them look Mm -hmm. like brand new it's amazing it's so cool like I I mean I'm sure their business must be like exploding right now because of all the people going home and being like oh my god my rare right like 1986 Samantha needs to be restored (laughs) yeah their their white body Kirsten needs touched up yes exactly exactly and you can't oh my god I I feel like American Girl or like Mattel rather has a duty to anybody who sends them like a perceived to be rare American Girl doll to like fix up that they like send it back and they're like, we're not. Because like, imagine if like some innocent, unknowing person sent in like a white body Kirsten to the doll hospital. Like, no. (laughs) Right? Oh my God. Imagine that happening. Oh my god. (laughs) Seth, is there anything, obviously you mentioned Felicity's Town Fair outfit, is there anything else that you are hoping to acquire over the next couple years, months, weeks? Honestly, not from Felicity's collection, no. When I was living in Virginia, I would sometimes see like Felicity stuff go through Marketplace. Like I saw her bed for sale one time. I saw her mm. carriage, which I know both are like highly sought after items, but I just mm-hmm. don't have a space for either of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were going for whoever was selling them didn't know what they were worth. I won't <laughs> say that. <laughs> with Felicity, I really just want the town fair outfit, and I want her little her little whirly gig. Uh, yeah. What about for Kirsten? Any like any last like? Oh my god! Like these would be, you know, like you said, your holy grail yeah. items. Yes, Kirsten's Holy Girl is definitely like either the pink dress or the red boots with the the striped dress. That's probably the Holy Girl for Kirsten. I just love that one. Yeah. I love that set as a whole. And with like the fishing line as well. It's so cute. Would you ever would you ever consider adding additional dolls to your collection? I don't think so. There really aren't any others that I connect with as much as I connect with Felicity and Kirsten. Um, Felicity just because I love the American Revolution and then Kirsten because I am a good honest Midwestern girl just like her like my elementary school education revolved heavily around like pioneers and settling the Midwest Mm -hmm. and the Great Plains Um, so I think why I'm so drawn to her is like that's like the history that I grew up with yeah Yeah, I get that and now in addition to the cookbooks, would you ever get into the craft books or any of the other historic books that they have? No. So there's actually another user on TikTok. She does the craft books. Oh, that's um, right. American Girl Craft a Week. She asked me for permission first before she did it. Because she didn't want to do that, which I thought was so cute. Oh my um, goodness. This community is so wholesome. That's really nice. I had a couple of the craft books and cookbooks growing up, but I never really did anything with them. Like I never mm-hmm. like made anything to my knowledge. Yeah. I They're just fun like to look at them. Right? It's They're, enjoyable on yeah. itself. They're fun to flip through. And as like Mattel bought the company, they started like the cooking studios instead of the craft books. And I know those have slightly different recipes. Oh. Um, and then Kit and Julie both have cooking studios. So like one day in the future, I'll get my hands on those. 
and work through them as well. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. Oh my gosh. Like what does, what do they entail? Like what's like, what's the difference essentially? So the cooking studios, I believe are hardcover and they Mm. came with cookie cutters. Oh yes. Yeah. That's fun. Like I think Julie came with like a flower shape cookie cutter. Oh, Um, but since it is metal, I don't know how like historically accurate they are. Mm -hmm. Um, If they really put in the same like time and energy as Pleasant Company did. Yeah. So I'd be interested in looking at that. I believe each of the Pleasant Company girls, or most of them, got an upgrade to the cooking studio. Interesting. We'll have to I know look. The recipes through. vary slightly between them. And somewhere in a Felicity book, there is her chicken salad recipe, which I went online and begged for last summer. Because, like, above all else, I'm a chicken salad lover. Yes. I feel but like I that's a think, classic. Yeah. yeah I just don't think she would have eaten chicken salad back then. No. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like labor intensive for back then. Yeah. And I don't think she had anywhere to like, keep it cool either. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Which is essential. Yeah. yeah there are but, a lot of obstacles yeah. when you think about that in that era. I believe it was in like a book that was like selling her um unfortunately named plantation picnic outfit Ooh. yeah uh, that is so unfortunately named <laughs> that one did yes. not age well um yeah. but oh my gosh i'm gonna have to check out the cooking studios now that i know that they exist i was not aware of them before but this like whole conversation is making me because my mom loves cooking and we have the cookbooks but i don't really know if we made any of the recipes but now i have mm-hmm. a bunch of the cookbooks that lovely friend of the pod Ashley May sent us um and I feel like around holiday time can whip those out and maybe like see how I do with the recipes but like if nine-year-olds are making them I feel like they like there's no way that they're for nine-year-olds like I feel like I have trouble following a recipe as an adult like there's just no way (laughs) there's no way yeah and this brought me back to a story that I meant to mention earlier, but the reason I found about the cookbooks was I was on Twitter one day and someone made a tweet and it said that for years they've been telling all their friends that their mom makes the best potato soup recipe. And then as an adult, she found out that the potato soup recipe her mom follows is just the recipe from Kirsten's cookbook. <gasps> and oh that, my that's God. How, that's yeah, how I found out about the cookbooks was that tweet. It was that tweet. And that's why I went and researched the cookbooks. I think I really want to say Dogs of Our Lives saw that tweet and then posted the potato soup recipe. (gasps) Oh my God. The recipe was tagged like in a quote tweet. And that's why I fell into the American Girl cookbooks. That's incredible. I love that. I feel like I'm really inspired to find a recipe and make it like my go-to to like bring to parties and not pass off as my own by any means, but you know, just let, let it would, people try a historic recipe. <laughs> it would be fun to have like an American Girl cookbook potluck and like mm-hmm. obviously not everybody has the books, but you could like send out options and people could like claim yes. what yes. they want to bring. Yeah. Really I remember on, tic- on TikTok a few years ago, people were hosting American Girl doll parties where everyone came dressed as like a different American girl. Yes. And like they brought like a, like a cocktail based off that character. I think it'd be fun to like send uh. out recipes and like pick your like the host can pick out like you know their entree appetizer dessert and everyone can like pick off based off that yes. that'd be fun 
Right. Oh God, that yes. would be a dream party to have. So I'm fun. feeling so inspired by that. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. So the inspiration or- behind the project was, of course, that tweet. But it was also the movie Julie and Julia, which is one of my favorite movies. Yes. And I, I saw that tweet. I found out about the cookbooks. And I knew, like, oh, I could Julie and Julia, like the American Girl cookbooks. Yeah. I, I searched. I, look, I looked online first to see if anyone had done it before. And no one had. And that's when I knew, like, I had a hit on my hands. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, that's surprising. I love that you kind of got your inspo, saw the opportunity, and just went for it. Yeah, I definitely was in the kitchen a lot growing up as well. And then my degree is in hospitality and tourism management. So mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in the kitchen and my classes all throughout high school and college as well. Oh, I love that. That just shows that there's a way to connect with American Girl, like, in almost oh. any way you want to like they have Mm -hmm. so many avenues for entry and I love that like you were able to like get into it like through your interest in cooking that's awesome yeah I really think I probably wouldn't have fallen deeper into the American Girl rabbit hole if I hadn't found the cookbooks Mm -hmm. it was such a great entry point were you sharing your recipes with friends like were they kind of having a resurgence of agey memories along with you yeah so I was sharing like a lot of what I was cooking online um I typically didn't share any of the food um, at least for (laughs) philosophy because I I didn't think no one was going to enjoy it um (laughs) but yeah I shared like the desserts um from Felicity and from Kirsten for Josefina's dinner I actually made that for my family um at home all night yeah, but I used the wrong kind of peppers because her cookbook just said like peppers. It didn't specify what kind. And I unfortunately am extremely white and I chose like the spiciest peppers I could find, which I did not know. <laughs> they looked like the peppers and like the picture and the cookbook. So I yeah. thought that right. I think the picture was a little <laughs> oh, confusing. No. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. I I love spicy food, so I feel like I'm gonna have to have you send me your your screen grab of this recipe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. Well, Seth, there is a question that we love to ask all of our guests that join us on AGW, and that is, what lasting impression did American Girl leave on you? Oh, this is a good one. So American Girl really just kind of showed me that there's so many different ways to get hands-on and get involved with history. It doesn't have to be like in the classroom setting. It can be, mm-hmm. you know, through the dolls, through the books, or through just the, the materials provided by the Pleasant Company, um, which I think was really great. I have always been in history all throughout my life. And I think that having that interactive component with the whole brand really have solidified their stance in like so many American children's lives. They could interact with the dolls. They could also go to the stores, see the plays, mm-hmm. um, or take like things home and make recipes or sit down with their parents and sew some of their outfits. Right. Oh, that's so yeah. true. It's honestly like so amazing that they obviously had an expensive product on their hands, but they mm-hmm. made it so like if you you didn't have to have the dolls to enjoy yeah. American Girl. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's, I think they really did a great job in the early years of trying to get as many people involved with it as they could. Right. Absolutely. 
And I love how it's possible to connect with AG in different life stages as well. It's not only something you could enjoy in childhood. There are really so many ways to continue the interest into adulthood, even without owning dolls necessarily, like whether you're revisiting the historic book series again, or kind of going into that nostalgia zone with looking at the catalogs or magazines from the 90s, or even just like diving into their ancillary offerings with the cookbooks and craft books and theater kits. There really are just so many facets, but cooking foods that the historic characters would have enjoyed is such a powerful way to build a connection to history and really bring the characters to life. Yeah, I think that they did a really great job of adding in that whole like completely tactile experience for children to really immerse Mm -hmm. themselves in their favorite characters and time periods in American history. Right? Ugh, immersive. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, shall we get into our activities? Of course. Let's do it. All right. Well, speaking of the uh, culinary arts, um, (laughs) if you were to have a dinner party where you could invite any two American girl characters, so the friends, the families, or the main girls themselves, which Mm -hmm. two are you inviting to dinner? Honestly, Going with Felicity, my number one, she's my ride or die. Yeah. But I think it'd be super fascinating to have her at dinner party with Emily, Molly's best friend. Ooh, yeah. interesting. I think it'd be fun to see the, like, in my head, Emily's like the modern counterpart of Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's how it, like, that's my head can, I think, that they would have some pretty good beef there. Yeah. I like that. I mean, you have two characters with very distinct personalities, but they both grew up during the war and navigated a lot of heavy emotions, probably, and instability. Yeah, I agree. That's a really great call out. I think it would be a really great interaction between the two of them. And I loved your call out of them both going through war times um, and experiencing that and how that would influence their conversations as well as, honestly, I just chose it because I thought it'd be funny. Um, Emily and no, the, the British girl and the proud patriot. Oh, yes, that's right. Two that connection, <laughs> two redheaded icons, also. Oh, period. <laughs> I know that would be so great. Like, it's so funny because between the two time periods, Great Britain is still like a huge major world power, which, like, I think Felicity would find very interesting that the U.S. and Great Britain were allied up at that point. Um, (laughs) That was so fun. Well, Seth, I have a bit of a different flavor of question for you. We like to ask about celebrities that you've designated as your favorite and which American Girl dolls you think they would have. So I'm going to choose two celebrities from your list, but I'm going to start with Florence Pugh because we've never had anybody bring her up before. Oh. Who, who do you think that she would have? So I'm trying to think of what Florence Pugh's traits are. I know she used to cook a lot on Instagram. Oh my gosh, this is a good question. She's also British. Right. For some reason, Florence Pugh strikes me as, as Mary Ellen. I don't know why. I'm getting that vibe. Ooh, interesting. Vibe. Say, say more about that. I think Florence Pugh would be drawn to her creativity and her interest in like the unknown. 
I love that. I think that that's a great connection between the two. And then lastly, this celebrity is a past guest of this podcast, and we know he has American Girl dolls, but which one do you think Harry Hill would have, if not one of the ones that we know he already does? (laughs) Wow. I think Harry needs to add one of the 90s girls. Ooh, okay. Yeah, probably the the one that looks a little bit like Cher from Clueless. I'm not sure of her name though. Um, Isabel. Isabel, yes. Yes. I think I think I think Harry Hill would vibe with Isabel. I love I that. Love... Yeah, that's that's a fun answer. <laughs> I definitely think he vibes with Isabel more than Nikki. I feel like Nikki's not yes. like giving what she needs to be giving in terms of like mm-hmm. resonating with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seth, this has been so much fun. Thank you so, so much for coming on American Girl Women. Please let everyone know where they could find you Instagram, TikTok. Where are you? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm on Instagram at Seth Workman underscore. And I am also on TikTok. That's where I do most of my content um, following the American Girls. My TikTok handle is at A-R-E-N-C-L-E-L-L-E. Um, it looks like Arendelle from Frozen, but the C and the L make the D. So that's where you can find me. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it so much. Well, thank you so much, Seth, for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.